Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up and welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. My name is Sam, Sam Dracula. If you want to get formal with it, I do Hornets content on YouTube and on this podcast. And today, or at least this week, I have a very special guest to talk about James Booknight, the 11th overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft by our Charlotte Hornets, Mr. Stores South. He has a Twitter account, Yukon Six Borough. He covers Yukon closely, you know, and I can't think of anyone better other than James Booknight himself to talk about Booknight and, you know, his character, what he was like in school, what he was like going into school. And then, you know, as he leaves and enters the NBA, what to expect from him in his rookie year and beyond. Because I personally have a lot of high hopes. For that young man and how he fits into this franchise, especially playing next to LaMelo Ball in like for the next like five to 10 years, hopefully knocking on wood. But uh, yeah, Story South comes on to uh, to chat about all about James Booknight. And um, and spoiler alert, he is also very excited about Booknight's prospects in the league. So I'm very happy. (laughs) I'm very happy he's with us here in Charlotte. But before we get into that. I want to say thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring the podcast. You know, the NFL season is up and running. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start the new football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, and even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. No spaces, all like N, literally NFL100, NFL100. Type that in to get that bonus. All right, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online your online sports book experts i also want to acknowledge the man terry rogier right the boys the entire team the entire team went to miami for workouts under terry's leadership and i love it you know i don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because it's you know it's a it's an off-season kind of training camp but you had veterans and hayward the new guys mason plumley kelly Oubre. Along with Terry, obviously, LaMelo, Miles, PJ, literally everybody. Like, it was, it's, it was in that picture. The pictures on Instagram, the videos on Instagram is exactly what you want to be seeing from our guys as they prepare for this new season, not waiting on training camp and getting after it. We heard, you know, about the summer league. Actually, let me back up. We heard about guys staying in Charlotte in the offseason and working out together, building reps, making those reps, building chemistry, right? We heard about it in Vegas during summer league. LaMelo, Miles, Terry, PJ, Jalen McDaniels, I think maybe a few others that I haven't personally heard about were in Vegas working out together, getting better, getting the reps in, getting shots up. And then now this Miami trip. So, you know, when as fans, we don't get a lot of visibility in what these guys do 
off in their off time and fair play. It's their time, you know, it's their time to, to have their private lives. But for them to devote some of that time to, you know, team chemistry, to personal growth and development is exactly what you want to be seeing, especially when you look at how competitive this upcoming season will be, because I think this Eastern Conference has improved like the, the guys, the, the teams in the Hornets tier. You know, like the Nets, the Bucks, the Sixers, they're in the they're in a league of their own. All right. But those like other spots from like the four seed to the 10 seed, the Hornets, that's their competition. Right. And these guys are doing what needs to be done to be put into that class, that tier. Um, and hopefully if everyone can stay healthy, they can be in that situation. And hopefully, at least in my point of view, avoid the play in game altogether because I never want to experience that again. You know, it's cool that it's back, but nah, I'm good on that. Never again, never again with that. Nope, nope, nope. But I love that Terry led the charge on that. You know, he just got his extension. He's getting paid a lot of money and it's well-deserved already, already, like with nothing else. It was already well-deserved. Now, when you look at him, like exhibiting this, this amount of leadership, it's, it's what you want to see. It's great to see. I love it. So this time I want to bring in Store South and uh, let's talk about James Booknight. Store South, how you doing? I'm good, Sam. Thanks for uh, for having me on today. Really excited to to jump on here, talk to the Hornets faithful about uh, newly acquired James Booknight and give uh, a fresh UConn perspective just as someone who's who's followed the program as a diehard fan and alum for over a decade. Yeah, no, I appreciate you making the time to do so. Uh, because, you know, we're, we're going to talk about draft night in a second here. But just for me, like going into the draft, I was very much, you know, not trying to I was trying to protect myself on draft night. Right. Because <laughs> like, I liked what I saw from James Booknight, but I didn't think he'd be there at 11. And so when he was there, I was elated. But that's a teaser for later. We'll get into that later. All right. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I will just I will just add to that. I mean, I, I will say, and I'm sure you probably saw it as well on, on his face uh, when he was drafted, that I think he was surprised as well to to have fallen that far. But I think to your point, we'll, we'll certainly get into it later about maybe some of the reasons why he, he fell to number 11. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's um let's start I guess to your introduction to James Booknight. From what I under, from what I understand, he was a four star recruit uh, going into college, and then you saw him play at UConn for for two years. Um, what what were your, what were your thoughts and impressions of James Booknight at the start, like his freshman season, and what did you hear about him if anything going into college? Yeah, well, I would say it was. Um his, his journey to UConn and now ultimately to Charlotte, I would say, is, is quite fascinating and even unique and certainly had a couple bumps along the way. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that he um, he was a pr- very talented recruit when he was at the P- PSA Cardinals, which is an AAU program here in New York City. And he was very talented, but he had suffered a meniscus injury that that I think really kind of limited the uh, the Dukes, UNCs of the world to kind of come in and get involved with his recruitment, even during a time period where um, UConn stayed kind of steadfast and on him from a recruitment perspective. And so we, so we, I mean, I should say we being UConn and, and really Dan Hurley and his staff, including Tamani Young, did an excellent job recruiting him and bringing him into stores. And, and there was, a, you know, I would say tempered excitement, kind of how you mentioned before with the draft for him coming in, just because 
didn't know what the injury, um, you know, there's been a lot of heartbreak the last couple of years or so around the UConn program. So people had kind of tempered expectations, but knew he was a very exciting kid. Um, but even before, uh, you know, any, any games happened or anything of that sort, he actually got into a little bit of legal trouble, trouble, which really, uh, did not, <laughs> was not a great way to start his career off in, in a Husky uniform, but, and, and as a result of that, he actually missed the first couple games of his freshman year. And and it wasn't until, the, the, I believe it was the fourth game of the season, when UConn was playing in the Charleston Classic, which uh, included a couple games against Buffalo and Xavier and, and Miami, that as soon as that kid stepped on the court, I mean, you saw something different right away. The the athleticism immediately jumps out at you uh, Um he showed off his really scoring at all three levels. Uh, just the pace of play picked up just incredible in transition. I mean, it was it was readily apparent that he was going to be a special kid. And you, you saw that kind of continue to like kind of trend upwards um, from the rest of that season and into his uh, sophomore season. Yeah, well, what I would say is so after those those initial couple of games where he really made his his introduction to UConn Nation that. You know, the next couple of games were fine, but it was maybe a little bit of a bumpy journey as, you know, maybe a little bit inefficient in some games. Some games he was a little bit better, but probably needed some work on the defensive end. And then a couple months later, he really just reemerged with um, an unbelievable performance at Tulsa, where um, historically UConn is... just been a house of horrors there done really poorly at Tulsa for whatever reason in that arena and just broke out with 22 points including 15 in a row in uh for for UConn and ended up shooting 9 of 14 on the on the game and was just incredible and that's from that point forward I mean it really catapulted the rest of his freshman career and and they ended up winning five of uh, eight of their last 10 games and went on a five game win streak. And uh, he was really the main catalyst for all of that, just being an absolute uh, monster on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so, and so absolutely from there, I mean, if going into a sophomore year, it really catapulted him to where to where he is today now being a, an, an NBA lotto pick and now being with the Charlotte Hornets. After his freshman year, was there any like talk or like rumors about him leaving um, after one year? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a big conversation. I, he wasn't uh, necessarily in any mock drafts that um, in, in the first round, but he was kind of borderline. And there was a lot of conversation about whether he actually was going to come back or not. So it certainly was a, a huge relief to see him come back for his sophomore year and really get another crack at trying to what at the time was a, a couple year drought that the program uh, had been in the NCAA tournament um, since they he, his freshman year was obviously cut short due to COVID. So he was uh, uh, kind of the ability to, for him to have made some kind of run in the NCAA tournament was taken away from him. So it was great to see him come back. And he was an immense, uh, an immense talent that everyone knew wanted just to see how much he could grow for one more year in stores. And so um, really everyone knew that as far as the team was going was as far as James was going to take them. And and he really picked up right where he left off from, from day one. You could see that not only was the same player there as last year, but like a better and improved version of that. And that really was best uh, epitomized with his 40-point game against Creighton, where he 
basically was the entire team. He, he literally was the entire locomotive and then some, and, and unfortunately ended up losing that game in OT, but it was, it was a 40 point performance and an efficient 40 point performance of him scoring at all three levels where you really saw, yeah, this, this kid is not going to be here after the season. This is, this is really it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, talking about, you know, him that going pro, I think a lot of the talk was early on, at least, where he used to be like a, a top seven prospect. Um, you know, when you know, as a Hornets fan and as a guy who went to school at Southern Illinois, you know, I don't, I don't have a really a dog in the college basketball fight, so to speak. So I don't really follow follow too closely. Uh, that's why I appreciate you coming on as well. So I, I do a lot of research, kind of after the fact, and just retrospectively of guys that could be a Charlotte Hornets player, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was looking at all the mock drafts, I did like a, I made an aggregate list, like I was on CBS, ESPN, Sporting News, all the different websites, looking and like aggregating the scores, the big, the big board rankings, all that. And James Booknight was almost too good to be true. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm a, like, I'm, I'm setting myself up to have my, uh, my heart broken on draft night where he goes. 10, 9, or 8, like just one spot or two spots away from where the Hornets select. And I thought going into the draft night, uh, the Hornets were in a very like enviable position where any, like they could have, they could go best player available, right? Like there's outside of point guard, they're pretty much set there with LaMelo, you know? Um, everywhere else they could use help. And I thought it was a good spot for them, the Hornets at that, at that stage. So when Book Knight was there, I was thrilled, but I still, even several months later, am surprised that he was there. Um, what were your thoughts on, or what are your thoughts on Book Knight falling to 11? Um, were you surprised by that? Did you think he would have gone sooner? Do you know why? Do you have any reasons why you think he might have fallen? Yeah, I'm, I, was, I was certainly surprised by that, and but I think it's, I, it's an understandable reason, which is so... I think just picking up just from his sophomore season, right? I mean, everything was going great. The team was playing really well. He was on an absolute tear. To open the season, he was averaging 23 points a game. He was shooting 38% from three-point range. Uh, and and I truly believe he would have been a, a first-team All-American and, and likely Big East, Big East Player of the Year had what ultimately happened next was about a month or two into the season – he, he suffered an elbow injury um, at a, and during a game at Marquette where he was diving for a ball and, and a Marquette player, uh, you know, just as he, with any loose ball, just happened to have fallen right on his arm. And he ended up missing about four to five weeks due to an elbow injury. They had to, I think, clean up uh, a couple things that were they found in there under, you know, once they got a better look at it. And so he had just been on an absolute roll up to, up to that point. Um, and then really, I think uh, this is where a lot of the concerns started to crop up when he did eventually return about a month later. And I think it's around a couple things. The first is uh, around his outside shooting, which um, if you look at just the full season numbers, I believe it's from three point range, it's below 30 percent, which considering where the college line is compared to the NBA is very concerning and shooting below 30 percent is not is not going to get it done at the professional level for, for someone that plays the position that he does. Um, so I think that was one of the main concerns. And I think the other was, was around playmaking was one of the other big call outs that, that scouts really were, were hesitant about. And where I, where I think this really came into was 
during that period that he was gone, the UConn ended up playing eight games. And during that time period, they went four and four. So 500, which isn't terrible, but they, a lot of those games, they were not truly competitive. They lost a couple games to teams that they really shouldn't have lost to. So the team really struggled a bit while he was out. And so I truly believe that just as part of him coming back, he was almost trying to make up for lost time and really put the whole team on his back the way he didn't really need to. And so there are a lot, there's a lot of tape that you'll find from when he returned where he kind of has tunnel vision. He's not making the right pass. He's um, I hate using the word selfish because I don't think he's a selfish player, but there were, there were at times where he just, the ball was not moving around and it was getting stuck to him and really dribbling into double teams that were causing turnovers and major issues on the offensive side. So, so I think those were really a lot of the concerns that, that came out of those last couple of games that he played. And, and really, it, it, it only got worse from there. Obviously, having to play in the middle of a COVID year is mm-hmm. probably really difficult just from a mental standpoint. Having to come back just from a conditioning standpoint uh, after not playing for a month is difficult. And, and on top of all of that, during the, the Big East tournament, the first game when they were putting a beating on DePaul, he suffered like full body cramps to the point that he had to be carried out of Madison Square Garden. And and I think that just on top of all that really sort of carried through for the last couple games of the season against Creighton in the Big East semifinal and then the first round of the NCAA tournament game where he just he just didn't look all there. You know, I, I just don't think he was 100% health-wise. And so I, I understand what, why scouts would be concerned after seeing um, you know, and not a great performance from outside the arc to end the season and uh, probably not as much playmaking as, as I, I know that I've seen from him over the last two years. But I think that's where a lot of the concerns came from and why he fell from what I think was many were expecting to be in that six to nine range into the 11 spot where the Hornets are. Yeah, and like this, even this thing about how that draft went, like when Josh Giddy went as high as he did, I was like, okay, so this draft is going to be very – actually – Going back further, when um, Scotty Barnes went before uh, yeah. Suggs, I was like, all right, th- we're here. this is a draft. We're here for it. Like, some weird stuff's happening. And uh, thankfully, though, the Hornets benefit or benefits of that. And um, what I love, so I liked Book Knight a lot. What I, I, be- I fell in love with Book Knight when I saw how pissed he was when he was drafted 11th. And I, I hope and I expect him to kind of carry that chip on his shoulder and, and, and turn it into like a very positive thing. Um, as he enters his rookie year, uh, because I, I like that. I was like a little motivation piece for him. Not that he necessarily needed it, but if he needed something to, like some bulletin board material, that will that will do the job. That will do the job to say the least. Did he I, I exhibit that type of mentality when he was in UConn? Like like uh, the, the guy who would like take that personally, you know, being overlooked per se. I, I do think he really did operate that way. He the, the way he kind of operates his mannerisms, he's I, I would I would describe him as someone who walks quietly with a big stick. Okay. Which yep. is to not say that he's he's, you know, seeking attention out in the media to draw attention to the fact that he feels slight or anything. But he well certainly I, I think if you ask the question to him directly about you know how he felt about falling to the eleventh spot, I think he would echo a lot of the sentiment that you just described there, which is that he felt very much disrespected by that. And he knows he he is of the talents beyond many of those who were taken ahead of them, if not all of them. So I think it's of the mindset. But he's certainly not someone who is um, going to be seeking out uh, any sort of additional attention beyond what the media will already give. 
Okay, cool. You know, because, you know, the Hornets also drafted Kai Jones. They traded back into the first round to get him. And Kai has a very different personality than James by comparison. Like, we put, they put both those guys on the same, like, table to do press. And Kai is like a 10-year-old boy who became like an NBA player overnight, like right. a Disney movie. And James <laughs> Booknight is short sentences, very to the point. Like, the contrast is very different. Not that one's better. Like, there's nothing wrong with either of those approaches. It's just that contrast really stuck out to me. And so I was curious if that was like a, a draft-specific thing or a larger, that's just how he is thing, which, again, absolutely nothing wrong with it you know I'm, these sure. guys, i don't need these guys to pass personality tests i need them to play basketball at high level and i think james booknight is gonna be one of those guys um and you know i think i think it was Cupcheck who said that when the when the hornets were on the clock at 11 and booknight was there they were getting a ton of phone calls about that like, i think a lot of people around the league were surprised that he was still there and you know even like right after that pick josh primo went 12th like it was very weird after that point but uh, it was a very weird draft. I don't know if it would happen the same way again five years from now, but hey, that's that's the fun part about the NBA draft. Um, so Book Knight's coming into a situation where Devontae Graham is gone, Malik Monk is gone. The Hornets added a veteran point guard in Nish Smith. They brought in Kelly Oubre Jr., who can play the guard and the small forward positions. So like positionally, he'll look like he'll be the backup shooting guard. Maybe he'll be like third string. Um, if Ubre plays some two over him or just given the certain circumstances. But for all intents and purposes, he'll be replacing Malik Monk, a guy that the Hornets were relying on as a like a firecracker, like uh, off the bench facilitator and scorer. Um, what do you think about James Booknight filling that kind of like role um, of that, you know, eighth, ninth man? Because that's I think is what his minutes are going to be at least early on yeah i mean i i for me the thing that really excites me the most about book night going to charlotte beyond already the very deep uh uconn ties that there is yeah. <laughs> to, to the charlotte hornets going back to obviously kemba and even a mecca okafor back mm-hmm. to the day of the bobcats and ben gordon and i believe maybe even hilton armstrong might have played there too the ties go back pretty deep but beyond that and I think if you ask any any UConn fan about how they feel about Book not going to Charlotte, I think it all they, many, if not most, will tell you that it all comes back to Lamella Ball. I think it, every UConn fan I think is just so excited for Book Knight to play along a guard of that caliber in terms of ball uh, movement and creation on the offensive end. And because James is not did not play with anyone like that during his college career. He played with some great guards, but the the lead guards that he played with during his time at UConn were a little bit more ball dominant and a little bit more focused on putting the ball in the hoop than, than LaMelo, who from, from my understanding is just a wizard in terms of spreading the ball around and finding the, the key shooters on the floor. And mm-hmm. so, and so I think that especially for someone like Book Knight, who a lot of his three-pointers that he missed and what brought his percentages down is that he had to not only create, to, he had to create in order to get any of his shots off. So now he can do a lot of the work off off ball to get open and Lamella will be able to kind of draw in a crowd and find him open for a spot up three or anywhere, really anywhere in terms of creating lanes for him to drive because he really is, a, I think, going to be an impact 
score at all three levels in the NBA just in time. And I think a, a huge part of kind of unlocking what his potential at, at the professional level is going to be just about LaMelo Ball. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think it was rookie year. Um, I think James is going to be only asked to be do. He's going. He's only going to be asked to do things he's good at this rookie year and that yeah. score. Um, and what I've just from a you know just small sample size from summer league and you know given the competition all that grain of salt with all of that, I loved his confidence with the ball in his hands and off the catch. Like I'm just I'm picturing him versus like the Indiana Pacers second unit. You know, getting his own shot, creating his own shot, or getting other people involved. Um, I could I could see that being him carving out his niche, a niche for himself in that rotation early on. Like there's you could draw like a direct line to that, at least in my opinion. And he seems very comfortable with that, even to the point where he was like, "Yo, there's 10 seconds left in the clock. I'm this is my shot. I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna make this." And I, I was like, "Oh man, I'm here for this." Because losing Malik Monk, that is that's a really hard thing to replace. For this Hornets uh, rotation, like guys like that are mm-hmm. easy to find, and I think Book Knight can fill that role to some degree because um, Malik Monk turned into a knockdown shooter right as he was leaving the Hornets. Unfortunately, <laughs> it took him Perfect. four years. He shot forty percent from three in his most intense per game. Like, oh man, why are you leaving now? No. Um, so uh, that uh, Book Knight will have, will have b- big shoes to fill in that respect. But um, for Hornets fans, between Book Knight, Ubre, I think you know Malik's role be filled pretty nicely and i'm very excited for it and then like you mentioned um playing with lamello is gonna he's gonna make everybody better including james book Knight. and i think he's like a he's kind of book Knight has some sneaky athleticism too so like the lob potential there as well is something i'm very much looking forward to uh when those guys are on the floor at the same time because we could be seeing a, the, the future backcourt of this franchise like six seven years from now i hope so i hope so and and to for for at least for the for the UConn fans listening, they would I would I think they would say that his athleticism, speaking of book night, is not sneaky at all. As yeah. someone who just became a Sports Center top ten darling, I I would not be. I'll make the bold statement to say that he made the most Sports Center top ten appearances during his two years at UConn of any player in the lotto. I mean, I oh. I alone off the top of my head can think back to probably two occasions this year and two last year that he found his way on onto a, a highlight reel of that magnitude just because of the incredible acrobatic plays that he made on putback dunks, um, a windmill dunk he's thrown in game, alley-oops. I mean, he is all over the place. So that's why I really emphasize the the three-level scoring because I, I do believe that long-term I, he will prove out to be a great shooter in the NBA, but he has the ability to knock down in the mid-range and, and is a great finisher right at the rim. And like uh, if, um, if, if you... Not to put you on the spot, but if you had to pick one between like, you know, like those surveys where it says like not very likely, less likely, like whatever, neutral, uh, unlikely and not so likely, you know, like that scale sure. um, of Book Knight's being a, Book Knight being a um, an effective two way player in the league at some point, you know, being able to defend his position at a high level. Is that something you think he has the aptitude and ability to grow into? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's certainly possible on on that scale. I would say it's I would put it like in the somewhat likely territory. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, he's his his uh, ability on the defensive side is 
certainly did leave a little bit to be desired. Um, it's, it definitely isn't the, his, you know, one of the more stronger suits of his game. And that's not the reason he was taken as, as a lottery pick, but, but I, I do think that there, there is potential there. You know, as I mentioned, he has, I think the quickness, I think he has the athleticism to, and even the length to guard, um, you know, his, his fellow peers at the professional level. Uh, I think it's just going to be ultimately coming, coming down to how the coaching determines on how he's going to fit within, within a defensive scheme that will kind of, maybe allow him to kind of unlock that that next level in his game to be kind of a more of a lockdown defender that we did not see a lot of at, at UConn. Okay. Okay. No, that's like, I think that's fair. Um, and, uh, you know, you never know how guys develop over time. I think, um, I, so I'll say this, the Hornets have a, a good history, at least a recent track record of guys who have been in college for multiple years, like guys who have shown the ability to get better year after year from Bridges to PJ Washington. Now with uh, bringing in Book Knight and Kai Jones, both guys who were drafted as sophomores, that seems to be something that the Hornets, this, this Hornets franchise seems to be digging. And I hope Book Knight and Jones can follow the same path as PJ and Miles and kind of continue that tradition of guys who like maybe were a little underlooked or overlooked and uh, out to exceed expectations. I'm very, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and even, you know, again, just me here with my blue and white glasses, thinking back to the Kemba's days in Charlotte, I mean, Steve Clifford and his staff did a fantastic job with Kemba, who, you know, and, and, and I don't know if anyone is a bigger Kemba Walker fan than me, but there were flaws in his ability to knock down the outside shot when, when he was in college. And that staff did an unbelievable job to elevate his his game to the next level that made him a perennial all-star during his time in Charlotte. So certainly hoping that the that Borrego and his staff uh, there today are, are able to kind of have similar results with James in terms of really helping him grow into one of the better players in the league. Um, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> oh, I'm very, very excited about it. I oh, mean, the uh, preseason and the regular season can't come soon enough. But hey, uh, Store South, thank you so much. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. Um, before we say goodbye, is there anything you'd like to plug before we say uh, goodbye? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Sam, thank you again for having me on. Uh, and for, for any plugs, for if, if for anyone looking to follow me, you can find me on Twitter uh, as at UConn6Borough. And you can also find me on YouTube under Store South. All righty, cool. Yeah, I'll have all your information in the description of the episode as well. So folks can click that and reference it there. But yeah, thanks once again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thank you to Store South. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. I've been Sam. You've been great. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Perfect. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.